This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller producing the program for us. Glad he's with us. Sitting across from me, the Commercial Appeals Lead Sports Columnist. The Lead Sports Columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. The top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth. Best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter Adam Giannato, Mark, good day, sir. Also probably among the most tired columnists in the country today. That was late night. Came to an end until after midnight. Yeah. Um, then, I, then, I, then I wrote. It was just, yeah. It was one of those games also because it was high intensity. I couldn't also just, like, turn it off and then go to bed. Like, I had to have an unwinding period. Yeah, I mean, no, I know yeah, the you way had to write. It, yeah. No, you're, no, and then when you write, you file, and yeah. then, like, your, rate, you know, your brain's racing. Yeah. It takes another 45 minutes to go to sleep after that. Um, but it was it was exciting. It, like, reminded me of the playoffs just in terms of the – not in terms of the importance of it, but just no, in terms the of the – intensity. The intensity, and, you know, you, you really wanted them to win. I will say we were texting at the end, and I was like – I text you, I go, I really hope this doesn't go to overtime. And you took it more. You took it the way a, a true fan would take it. You go, well, actually, I mean, Curry's out. It, overtime probably favors the Grizzlies here. No, I, um, I I texted you like someone who took the Grizzlies live at half uh, there to win go. the game. There you go. Um, and I was like, no, 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 I'm more talking about like, you know, it's already going to end at like 12.15. We don't need 12.30. Um, but it was, uh, I don't know. It was kind of it, – it, Ultimately, it was kind of a bummer, obviously, because the Grizzlies lost. They lost in um, heartbreaking fashion where they really kind of gave the game away down the stretch against the team they want to beat the most, the team, you know, their nemesis. I think that's kind of the bigger question that I have is, did it feel deflating because of the opponent or did it feel deflating because of how they're playing? I would say certainly less so the opponent than, like, say, Christmas. Like, I think Christmas was a bummer because you lost to Golden State. And there had been so much buildup to that since the playoff series. Well, I think a big problem with Christmas Day was they were shorthanded. Like, the, the Golden State Golden was, State was yeah. shorthanded, so it made it even. Well, technically they were shorthanded last night. They didn't have Wiggins. I mean, I think it was a fair trade-off. They didn't have Wiggins. Grizzlies didn't have Steven Adams. Right, but what I'm saying is 
in terms of embarrassment level, and I mean, yeah. last night the Grizzlies weren't, the Grizzlies were favored on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. The Grizzlies were three and a half points. I think they were favored by like seven on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And the Grizzlies were three and a half point underdogs but, last night. But yeah, but I think there was some of it. Some of the deflation, if you will, was because they lost to the Warriors again. And like this is, they are very clearly an op, an obstacle standing in their way. No matter, you know, like like to really feel, I th- I think the one of the more satisfying things this team could do this season, beyond like make the Western Conference Finals or make the finals, would be to beat Golden State in a playoff series. Would you not? That would be a really satisfying accomplishment for this group, whether it happened in the first round, second round, whatever. Now that being said, I don't know if they can do that. Very, you know, like very clearly they didn't do it last year and. They've now lost both games to the Warriors this year. I think it's fair to say. But it would be very satisfying if you could knock them off. I think it's fair to say of all the playoff opponents, that would be the most satisfying. Um, In the West, West, I should say. But I think this loss was more deflating because it's sort of what we talked about yesterday. If they had beaten, come out and beaten Golden State, you could have, like, excused away the first three games of this West Coast trip. You could have said, you know what? Like they didn't come ready to play. They you know, they kind of blew the Lakers game. Kind of played with their food. Didn't have their A game in that game. Then that second game against Phoenix, whether it was you know being on the road or a hangover, both literal and figurative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they let the first half of that game get away from them, and then you know they lost the Sacramento game, which looking ahead on the trip, that was going to be a really challenging game to win no matter what. Yeah. And if they go out and beat Golden State, you can kind of go, well, that's all because of that. But now I think now they've lost four games in a row, and in a lot of these losses, the same things are happening. You know, the same things are ultimately tripping this team up, whether it's um, poor shooting or the back end of the rotation isn't performing up to par or, you know, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is foul whether, tr- foul trouble whether it's foul trouble yeah. or just kind of disappearing in moments, kind of in in some ways, especially offensively. Whether it's his fault or the fault of his teammates for not getting him the ball, like it just tends to happen in these bigger games. And like you could also, if this road trip had gone better, like part of you after the eleven game win streak was going, well, you know what, that thing over the holidays that was just like a blip, like it they stumbled. But like that didn't mean anything. Well, now that it's happened on a second road trip in a row, where they've really like they're the the biggest amount of trauma they've gone through this season have been on these two West Coast road trips: the one over the holidays and this one now that we're going through right now. And you start seeing like trends, and it just makes you. I think it was deflating because you just. You can't ignore it anymore. You can't ignore the little flaws that this team has. It's not to say they're not going to finish second in the West. It's not to say, like, that, nothing changed about the potential trajectory of this season with them losing four games in a row. They still could make the Western Conference Finals. They stood, still could come out of the West. They still could be first or second in the West this year. They're, they're still second in the West. But it's much harder to ignore what we've seen in terms of just little things, you know, little flaws that this team very clearly has. And the part that I think I sort of took note of last night is it's a lot of the same issues they had last year, like, to be quite honest. It's not much not much has changed from last year in terms of what are the things that could trip this team up. 
we kind of know what could trip this team up once we get to the playoffs. Having to play offense in the half court. <laughs> yeah. Having 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 to having to navigate a night in which Desmond Bain doesn't hit like three or four three pointers. Hit two. Yeah. No, he, he had a great third quarter. The team had a great third quarter. Except for the minute Zaire Williams was on the floor. They had a great third quarter. Jaron played really well. Ja played well. Dez played well. And they that's how they built that lead. I mean, they were up ten with six minutes to go. Well, no, I mean, I think in the fourth. I think what last night what last night brought to head was how much so this is kind of the thing that we've been that I've been t- talking about with you. So the Grizzlies have flaws. Mm-hmm. And every team. And that's kind of though that's the bigger question. How much of last night is is a quote unquote red flag mm-hmm. versus it's an 82 game season mm-hmm. and let's be completely real y'all. Yeah, it's January 26th. You, you can bury your head in the sand on this but it's it's a reality. It's a team full of young rich athletes and they just went to party cities. Mm. And so how much of this is not Sacramento. Not Sacramento, <laughs> but you got to have a rest up night apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um the one non-party city they went to was a uh, second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, and didn't somebody have a birthday over this stretch? I believe Dylan Brooks turned 27. And he, uh, let's be clear, he feels like a birthday guy. Yeah, January 22nd. So, yeah, was uh, Dylan's Hmm. 27th birthday. 22nd. That's Sunday. That's Sunday. So let me me do the math really quick. Um, So that means he probably had a birthday party. They probably went out on a Saturday, right? What, who they did they play on Sunday? They played on Sunday. They played the the Suns. Oh yes, yeah, so they probably hmm. well. and and they scored thirty seven points in the first half, right? Yeah, well, you can coincidence. You could, I mean, yeah. I, listen, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of their uh, of what the itinerary was for this road trip. But to me, like that is kind of that's what I'm trying to balance is how much of this should have been predictable, and how much mm-hmm. of this is alarming. I think because that's a very yeah. that's a very different thing. Well, I think it. You know what we should do? It's tasty take let's Thursday. Point the yeah, let's yeah. let's play a game of who's yeah. taking this the blame. This is America. Who should what get do we the do blame? It? What it's do we do in game. this country when things don't go the way we want? We blame someone else. We do not look in the mirror no. ever. No, it is always point the finger. All right, so we'll play the blame game here to start things off. It's a big day on the show. Memphis SMU at six o'clock down at FedEx Forum later this hour. We'll get you ready for that one. Penny Hardaway and the the gang back in action, going for a fourth straight win over one of the worst teams in the AAC. Uh, then we will get into the list next hour. Lots of NFL news to get to. Um, oh, there was a story out of the Boston Herald that made me feel things. Interesting. An expose? Would you go? Would I you would go even, as far to call it an expose? I would call putting into detail what anyone with an eye, what anyone with eyeballs could see. Okay. But more importantly, also. More, we talked about Mahomes yesterday. We got to talk more about it. I'm woke on this. Okay. Uh, I, I, I've got a theory. And then three uh, thirty or so, Jason Smith will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the Grizzlies and Tigers, and then uh, tell your story and get out of here. But let's let's start with Tasty Take Thursday. And um, I, right, you want to go? Let's go with who's take who's actually right now from the fan base, from the greater media, if you will, social media. Who's taking the blame? 
after last night's 122-120 loss. Okay. Should we rank them? All right, so so let's be clear. I think we need two lists here. Yes. Or Who's, excuse me. Let's do pie charts. Okay. We don't we haven't done pie charts in a while. They're fun. So percentage of blame. Because I think we're all we're all man enough and woman enough to admit, like, there's more than just one issue. Mm-hmm. When you lose four straight, it's not just one person's fault. No. No. But I think there's there should be two clear lists. The noise that we hear. Yeah, who's taking? Who's actually taking correct. the blame? Who's who's having to sit there in the heat position mm-hmm. and sit there and take it? Versus, let's be real, we're experts. Mm-hmm. Who should be getting? It. Who should be getting? Correct. The blame. Okay. Not who is, yes. but who should be? It's the blame game. Correct. Okay, so let's start with who's actually taking the blame. All right, let's start with the most obvious. Yeah, Zaire Williams. Yeah, <laughs> he's taking a lot of the blame. Yeah. Now, he was pretty bad last night. Gave up the game-winning layup, although there's some... It's I, in, Okay. Uh, uh. Well, so there's... This was Go the explanation explain given. Give so, the explanation. So, the explanation Taylor Jenkins gave was he was in the game for Jaron Jackson Jr. in that moment because that's the, for defensive purposes. They liked his defense in that situation, his length, He apparently that. was the only one. I mean, you, you have to think about it in terms of the other options would have been like Tyus Jones... Or Santi. He was in literally the in there because he's tall. Yes. Um, and quick, you know, and whatever. But tall. Like, but like, you know, so whatever. They, whatever. So they there's were that. getting killed on the glass. So there's that part of it. But if you wanted gla- help on the glass, you'd play Santi. But wh- whatever, whatever. I Clearly it was the wrong decision because it, <laughs> it failed miserably. Um, but the explanation from both Taylor Jenkins and Zaire Williams was, Zaire Williams said basically he was instructed to defend Jordan Poole the way he defended him. And Taylor Jenkins said something happened with their health defense. It got shifted out of whack on that play. Zaire was basically supposed to have someone helping him. He was supposed to be overplaying the ball the way he, or overplaying Jordan Poole the way he was playing him because he was supposed to have help on the backside. And there was no help, and it ended up being a very easy Jordan Poole layup, obviously, to close the game. So there's that. And then you add on, he was 0-6 from three-point range, minus 19 plus minus in a game decided by two points, and frankly, a game where, like, no one else was even close to his minus. You know, like, no one else on the Grizzlies. Like, I think Tyce Jones was, like, a minus five, and it was really all because of the second quarter when he had to play, when he was playing with Zaire Williams. So... Xavier minus five. Mm-hmm. Tyus was minus one. Okay, so it was Xavier who was minus five, and Brandon Clark was also minus five. Okay, interesting. Well, everybody else in the positive. In the positive, and then there's Zaire at minus nineteen. So obviously he was not good. It really stood out, and it, coming on the heels of the news about Danny Green, I think compounded it. Of like, oh, Danny Green's about to come back, and oh my gosh, Conchar's not even playing. And Zaire Williams is just crap in the bed in a big moment. I don't even know if Conchar was active. I mean, because he w- it the- wasn't in the rotation. But I mean, he no, no, he's not even listed on the, like as a DNP. He may not have been active. Well, he wasn't listed on the injured report. I don't think. I'm just telling you, he is lit- like Kennedy, Jake, uh, Junior, are you on NBA.com? I'm on the the official the you know the actual box score that the team you know that the mm. war whatever the the official box score. Interesting. Wouldn't even list it. Hmm. 
Now, I wasn't, you know, whatever. We didn't get the pass out, the pass out sheet of when they tell you who's active. Oh, they did list him as out. Concussion protocol. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. Okay, I didn't even realize that. All right. Okay. He was, John Conchar was out last night with the concussion protocol. All right, protocol. Let's, let's get into a couple of things. Number one, I'm sorry. If you're in man-to-man defense, like, think of it this way. Let's, let's do what all great sports radio people, personalities do, Mark. If you're playing football mm-hmm. and you're in man, even if you've got a safety over the top, does that mean you're supposed to just let him go? I'll tell you this. The way the way that he played it did not to me suggest here's what you do when you're expecting help. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say he's not telling the truth. I would just say this. If he's telling the truth, then it's really on Taylor Jenkins. I think it is I think it is more likely than not that Taylor was covering. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm just saying this. Here's what ha- like think about this. But that's the, on, that's the who should take the blame. Think play. about this though on a normal level, on a human level. When you're expecting help and you don't get help, you immediately throw your hands out. Mm-hmm. And you immediately do what we're doing, which is point the finger somewhere else. Mm. That's what you do when you're expecting help Maybe and you don't get help. Maybe this is a sign that they're a good team. No. It's the <laughs> sign of he got beat. Um, now, and let's also be clear, I'm sorry, it's tough. Like, his leverage was clearly a problem. Like, the way he was playing, quote-unquote. But that doesn't explain him... Like, completely getting lost in the wash of when everyone went the other way, he just lost a step. Like, so, and there's also the other reality here. Your eyes just told you when he was on the floor, it was bad. It was not good last night. Um, And by and large, you know, for the most part since he came back from his injury, there's been some good games more recently. But there's also been quite a few, like, he's looked a lot like the Zaire of the first 40 games of last year. Much so, less than, much less so the desire of the last fifty games of last year. Who were the Kentucky Twins? Uh, Andrew Harrison has Andy. he reached Andrew Harrison's zone? Here's what I mean by that. Mm-mm. Hang in there, though. People would do the. I think how you feel about Zaire is entirely based upon how he shoots that night, and that was always the thing with Harrison. Harrison was clearly a significantly worse shooter. But the nights that people wouldn't complain about Harrison, it was because, like, he hit 34% of his shots. See, I just think because I, – I, I don't know if I would put him in Harrison mode just because I think he's got – frankly, he's got potential to be certainly a better player than Harrison ultimately because of – Well, he of got those, drafted. Yeah. Well, that's round. what I'm saying. There's more expectations on him. Like, if he's – if if he, he has the potential to be far more polarizing than even – Andrew Harrison was because of where simply he was because played. he was a because like they used I mean ultimately like we said it after the you know Adams has made that deal pretty palatable ultimately when they traded Jonas yeah. but in the moment we were like it really depends on how this number ten pick turns out that's what you really were trading for and at best I know right now Adams has worked out really well and at best right now that that trade is an incomplete at best it like feels like i mean it does feel like adams is the better player for the grizzlies than jonas ultimately and jonas is on the wrong team in new orleans like it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't feel like jonas is going to he's not going to ever match the stats he had with the grizzlies on the on the pelicans there's I just no way i think that's fair yeah um there's just no way but um so yeah it does feel like those Zaire's taking a lot of blame i would on the pie chart 
I'd say he's taken at least a third of the blame. I I'm, I might even be willing to go half. Half? 50, you're saying 50% of the blame? is in, in terms And this of isn't military. who we're blaming. Right, right. This but, is who you're blaming. This is, this is, <laughs> we're pointing the fingers at you who are pointing the fingers at him. It feels like one of two people is going, Zaire. <laughs> I think 50%. Um, and then. All right, who's number two? So, I had a tough time deciding between this because I think the two candidates are Jaron and Dylan. Jaron for fouling out again. Even the, and, it is nice to go back to the hits too, and isn't having it? you know having yeah. a bad first half, and then he had he didn't do anything, he didn't produce anything points or rebounds or blocks wise in the first half, but didn't get any fouls, didn't have any fouls, but then actually played very well in the second half. Aside from the fact that he picked up six fouls or whatever it was, five fouls maybe in the second half. I think he had one in the first. Half. Okay, um, but then. You know, Dylan is like an easy go-to blame guy. You know, like it's, he took a he took a bet he missed a layup late, took a bad three late, even though he only took nine shots in the game. It's comfort food. Like, let's be real. Had some bad had a had that bad foul on Steph Curry in the fourth quarter. You know, when he got that was when they took the officially took the lead was on those three free throws that he hit, and it was like a you know they fouled Steph Curry three times on three pointers. You just can't do that. And Dylan had one late in the fourth quarter. No, and the other thing that was amazing about that foul is I think he technically he got a he got away with a foul of trying to get through the screen. Mm-hmm. Like he really technically fouled Draymond. Mm. While Draymond was setting a moving pick, Dylan was like he fouled him. It to really get- is amazing. Like they called they to their credit they called Draymond a couple times on yeah. the moving screens, but at the same time. I mean, no, Draymond is Draymond is the offensive tackle that knows he's got no prayer block in the defensive end. He is going to hold on every single play, understanding. Understand, you can't call them all every single time. <laughs> you can't you, call them all. You are not, and maybe it's third down, and you let this one go, and we hit a big pass. But uh, it is literally every single screen he sets, he moves. No, and and then you know it bothered me in the first half. Like I really felt Jaron played that first half going up against Draymond. I put it on Twitter. He was like the little brother who didn't realize he's better than Big Brother and like was letting Big Brother kind of push oh, him around. A, that's a good distinction because at first I was like, oh, like a a McVay Shanahan situation. No, 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 no. But I don't. He's think actually better. I, I don't think McVay's as good as Shanahan. It's like you know, like like I could always beat my little brother in pretty much everything, even though in Must some nice. things. He was better than me, mm-hmm. but it was like an intimidation factor. Like, uh, you know, he, he the ment- I had a mental edge over. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's, but it's, sim- it's, it's similar in it's that sim- fashion. But like, for instance, I don't think like if Draymond Green went to a different college than Michigan State, I you know I think I think uh, both Tillman and I think Jaron have this when so they go really up against Draymond. So really, this is his fault. Yeah, it's Michigan State's yeah. fault. Um, but he played. Jaron played well in the second half. Like the third quarter, he was great. You know, like part of when they came alive was when Jaron really started asserting himself in those mismatches. Well, and taking threes. Yeah, he made threes. Um, and so I'm gonna go Dylan on number as number two because one, there's just it's just a goat, it's the default. You you know, when something goes wrong for the Grizzlies, people tend to just blame Dylan. Well especially and- when it comes to Golden State. Well, and Dylan also has the unfortunate and, and reality. And he did some of, things that deserve blame. No, no, he he does. But Dylan also had the unfortunate reality, or he has the unfortunate reality of he's usually always going to be guarding the other team's best score. Yeah. And so he's going to be in a close game. And when he's you're playing Steph Curry, involved. you're going to give up some stuff. Correct. Yeah. 
I think that is uh I think that's fair. So I would go Dylan two, Jaron three, but close in terms of blame. So if Zaire's got fifty percent, I think I'm putting I think I'm putting Dylan at maybe fifteen percent and Jaron at ten percent. So now we have twenty five percent left to give out. Yes. Eh, maybe a little higher. Maybe I'm going Dylan twenty percent, Jaron fifteen. And that way you have fifteen percent left. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You okay. Know? All right. Okay. And then I think next uh, should we maybe bump Zaire up from fifty? <laughs> That's a lot of blame. Uh, I'm just saying. That's a lot of blame. He's taking most of the blame. I know, that's true. Well, because I don't think we can... I, I think more than one in... Like, out of every two comments, I think he's getting more than just one. Yeah. Want to bump up to 60? I think so. All right, all right. We're good. 60, 15, 10. Okay. That leaves us with... So, 15%, right? 15% left. 60, 15, 10? Yes. So, that'd be 85, Yes. And I think next in line, we mentioned him earlier. I think you know Taylor Jenkins getting some. Yeah. Although I don't know. So tell me who's getting who who's higher on the blame track? Because I think there's two options here in terms of who people are talking about. It's either Taylor Jenkins because of you know whether it's playing Zaire at the end there, or um, you know every time they lose like his rotation, you know he's a little too rigid with his rotations. Well, and don't forget the ultimate the ultimate internet complaint. Uh, that he doesn't challenge. He doesn't challenge. Now he did start Brandon Clark, like everyone has wanted. I'll and be didn't, honest. Didn't go with Tillman, and he even showed. It looked like last night he got away from his little game script that he yeah. always uses. Like it looked like he was willing to kind of change things up a little bit. And that's why I think, I think behind the, the our our top three, I think fourth is gonna. And this is a rarity since he's taken over the front office. I think I'm putting Zach Kleiman fourth on who's getting the most blame because it feels like every time this team yeah. loses this year, one of the you see a segment of people go immediately to the this wouldn't happen if we had DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson on this team. Well, and also this wouldn't have our you, bench would be better. Well, and to Zaire wouldn't be out there, and that would be Kyle Anderson. That'd be DeAnthony Melton in that situation. Is Kleiman getting some Zaire stink on him too? <laughs> Really, is it's that, in, in is some that some ways residual Zaire stink, and I think it's also I think it's related to like Conchar hasn't you know like well, and we're also forgetting one thing. You know, Mark, this team could use some more shooting. Yeah, <laughs> and we're close to the trade That's deadline what I'm too. Saying. This is you know we got to make a move. We got to get a vet in here. Got to change it up. Yeah, no, I I think that's our remaining. I'll give ten percent. Ten. Well, that means he's tied with with no no Jaron's at fifty no that means eight eight percent Taylor Jenkins seven percent Zach Kleiman oh so you're you're putting Taylor more blame than than yeah. Kleiman yeah okay but it's close but it's only because Taylor had to like sit there and take the L uh, okay yeah, yeah. There's, there's also like don't forget that there is the element of you see him on your screen when you're pissed off that's true like you, like that is like the Mm-hmm. The reason we have scapegoats is because it's a visual representation of taking out your frustration. All right, now okay, let's now get who to the should, more, who should get, get the blame. The, let's do the important work. Okay, who should get the blame? All right. Well, let's be clear. <laughs> Zaire was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, 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 I think we I, all I, agree. Yeah. There's no. There's does no. He really deserve, does he deserve sixty percent of the blame? I don't know. He was awful. <laughs> like. 
I don't really know what he brought to the table last night. He didn't guard anybody, and he didn't make any shots. Other than that. And he, like, dropped a couple alley-oops, too. Yes. <laughs> he like, he missed, like, a bad one. Uh, it was not his night. He clearly deserves a good chunk. <laughs> yes. All right. This is what – you know how we've always talked about, like, it's comfortable just to go back and just blame Dylan? You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. just – it's it's like me rewatching that '70s show. It's just mm-hmm. it gets you in the feels. It's yeah, food. exactly. It's it's all it's all you can, right there. You can drift in and yeah, out. Exactly. And you don't. It's just it's always there. Yeah. You, you can always default to it. The opposite of that is um, being in Desmond Bain territory, where you can mm. literally get away with murder, mm. and no one says and anything. Jaw's the same way. Yeah, but Jaw. Well, Ja takes blame. Ja doesn't. Ja's in that territory for Memphis. Correct. If that makes sense. Like the outside world yeah, criticizes yeah, yeah. him a decent but, amount. And I don't know. I think it's also different. There's with Ja. There's this. There's this understanding of he can't shoot. You well, know what I mean? So when Ja misses a shot, everyone does. It. But with Desmond, it's literally like you cannot blame Desmond. Well, for can anything. I run down some of the things that happened? So the Grizzlies, by my count, had. After they went up by ten points, or I guess it was after they were up by nine. When ta- when the when, first time or the second time? This is the fourth quarter. So like they so were when they up, worked the lead back up when it got they were dwindled, up, yes, and then they worked it. They back were up, up. ten okay. with six minutes to go. Right. Then I believe Clay hit a three, and then Zaire got the one alley oop that he actually connected he, he, on yeah, the night. Yeah. So they're up nine with about five and change to go, and they had about twelve possessions the rest of the way by my count. Can I can I list some of the things that happened in those 12 possessions? By all means. A shot clock violation. A missed free throw by Brandon Clark. A missed layup by Dylan Brooks. A John Morant turnover. A 29-foot heave by Desmond Bain that resulted in Jaron Jackson Jr.'s sixth foul. Another John Morant turnover. The foul by Dylan Brooks on Curry's three-pointer. A missed free throw by Desmond Bain. Another missed free throw by Desmond Bain. A missed three-pointer by Dylan Brooks in which John Morant never touched the ball. And six Golden State offensive rebounds. All that happened in like a 12-possession span at the end of the game, like where they just totally blew the game. I was also trying to remember during that stretch, how many times did they even have a possession that felt like, like for instance, the Clark, when Clark missed the free throw, it was at the, it was after, it was like the Free throw, an and one free throw, and it was a nice set out of a timeout. Jaw hitting Brandon Clark for an and one. That was a nice possession. I mean, the the possession Jaw when they tied it late, you know, with six seconds to go. That was nice, a really nice pass yeah, th- by Jaw to Brandon Clark. But that was also out of a timeout on a, mm-hmm. a, a set play. No, the the possession that I thought was the worst was there were plenty to choose from. Yes, but it was they were still up. They were up 113-111. This came before Curry tied it. And it was like about two minutes to go, um, or less than three minutes to go. And Ja got the ball on the wing with Klay Thompson defending him. And, like, you watch it and you go, oh, go take him to the rack, Ja. Like, you know, it's Klay Thompson post-surgeries, all that. He can't, you know, like, he can't stay in front of Ja. Um, but he just kind of, they they all kind of look towards the sideline. And here's where some of the blame goes to Jenkins because it just felt like they were totally discombobulated. No one knew what to do. And it ended up in that heave by Desmond Bain. Like, Brandon Clark didn't know if you should come screen. Bain didn't know if he should come get the ball from Ja. Ja picked up his dribble. And they end up with this heave that then results in Jaron Jackson Jr. fouling out of the game, going for the offensive rebound. And it was just like, to me, 
that was the moment where I go, oh, they're not going to win this game. Like, because they were, and like, they were totally discombobulated down the stretch, which is concerning because it's, you know, it's almost like the kid, the, the, the A student who suddenly like flunks two quizzes in a row. Start smoking weed. <laughs> like, you're like, Usually, what, what, am I, what happened to fourth quarter hey, jaw? I've been cheating off you all year. What the hell, man? Well, like, what happened to fourth quarter jaw? Like, and now this is two games and two times in four games where they didn't just lose a game in the fourth quarter. They, like, just gave it away. So, there's, I don't know. This is what I find interesting about these situations. It is very obvious what the defensive strategy is against jaw right now in late game situations. It is dare him to shoot and dare him to shoot from the outside. So what you're left with are these possessions where he's trying to go to the rack and it feels like he's trying to draw fouls. Mm -hmm. And so what I wonder is, is part of the reason why on the road, why it feels so bad is you don't typically get as many calls on the road. And so you're left with these possessions where it just feels like He's going into the lane trying to force it up, but I really don't think that's the case. Like So along those lines, are you saying John Desmond should be getting some blame oh, here? Yeah. I think in particular Put the them fr- on the list. I I think in particular the free throw, the jaw free throws well, early. What's like, the what's the coach Boone line? You you want to be a star? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna treat you like a star. Mm, yeah. yeah, like the whatever. I'm I screwed up the quote, but it's that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And I thought it was I thought it was kind of suspect, if you will, that Ja ducked reporters after the game. And people there's gonna be people listening, oh, media person blaming he doesn't need to talk to y'all. And I don't even think it's about like the quotes. Like I don't even care about like needing to I I didn't need Ja's explanation for these plays at the end. He didn't need to explain himself. I view it more as from a like leadership component. When you suffer tough losses and you're the face of the franchise and the leader of the team Part of your responsibility is like, you know, for instance, Zaire Williams talked to the media. I don't expect him to talk to the media after, you know, young guy coming off a nightmare performance. Like, if he had said, I, listen, tonight, fellas, I don't want to talk, I would be like, you know what, all right, you had a tough night. But, like, it's, in my mind, it's like Jaws' responsibility to kind of eat crap for the team when they have a, when they have, when they're going through a moment like this. No, uh, to your point. Like that, Listen, it's not even what he says. It's just standing, being out there, out front to kind of take the bullets for your guys. Like that's part of being the star of the team and the face of the franchise. You don't see LeBron like LeBron James talks almost every night, win or lose. No, and now some. To be clear, sometimes though, it's also he's talking to spin the story his way. But I agree with you. Say LeBron can be insufferable, mm-hmm. but he sits there and he takes the bullets. I just, I, you know, that was a little, I was, well, like, this, it's not the end of the world. No, but this is, I think this is the question, though, that I have about this whole trip. Because my tasty take is, this team is showing that it's immature. Yeah. And so, yeah. my question, though, is this. Because we've talked about, when you focus on one team, you can you can see the flaws of one team way more than the outside world does. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're maybe you're being unfair to that team because there are other teams that have the same flaw. Is it reasonable to expect an NBA team to go on the road in January on the West Coast road trip and not go out and party? And I'm not asking this rhetorically. I am asking this like as an like an, an assessment. 
Because I think maybe I the reality really is that. I do think it's in next, January. I don't care about th- that. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I just I think maybe in the end, and this is something that I think maybe we could overreact about this entire road trip mm-hmm. when in on paper it was a lot more. It was a lot more predictable. I mean, the reality is they got almost three months to the playoffs still. Like, there is so much. Like, this will be, I think this will be remembered as probably the most traumatic moment of the season. Losing these this road trip, if you will. I can't imagine they're going to have a worse stretch than this the rest of the way. Well, how many more times do they have, like, this many games on a road? Beginning of row? March, they play four road games in a row. I know that. Um, it's like Houston, Denver, and then they're out. It could be trouble. They're out in L.A. for three straight days. Oh, boy. <laughs> they're, and, they get, guess, and guess what the first home game is. What's that? The return game. Golden State. Oh, my. Yeah, so that and we've be, already, we've we've already established, we've established the, when they come like for instance, when when they they come, get back home. Yeah. Like the Sunday game against the Pacers. I'll take the Pacers. <laughs> <laughs> I expect they're going to be – it'll be a more uneven performance than you might think because they've always kind of – that first home game back is tricky from a long road trip. Ooh. Houston, Denver. Oh, that's not good. It's like beginning of March, right? It's like after the All-Star break. It literally begins March 1st in Houston. Mm -hmm. May have to go pay. There might be some guys that will go pay their respects to James Harden and uh, the good work he did in the community. You're going going strip club? Yep. Pot? Correct. L.A. Correct. It's yeah. It's not a good mix. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a good mix. Yeah. and then come <laughs> and then Golden State coming home back in a on game. national TV. Yeah, <laughs> it's tricky. Well, that's going to be probably the uh, next. We need to, we need to tell ourselves early. We're not going to overreact. Well, we just we got that's going to be our next. Uh, how have they grown up? That's a test. that's going to be our next. That's going to be the next benchmark for have they grown up? How do they handle that road trip? I know which that way one, I'm betting. <laughs> Because that one's a little trickier. At least this one, you got the you got the Sacramento trip in the middle, plus a trip to cold Minnesota. Like you're not gonna, you know, like it's too cold to go out in Minnesota right now. I think that's fair, but at this point, that might sound like a challenge. <laughs> we'll show They'll them. They'll be all right. They'll be all right. I just don't, you know, I just think they got some things to address before the playoffs. Like the team right now, the team they've got is not ready to make the kind of run that you think they're capable of. Well, this- I think they could get ready. I think they can get there. Whether it's via trade, whether it's via playing, you know, figuring some things out through this, whether it's via Danny Green's infusion into this, I, I don't know exactly the formula, but I think what this road trip proved is that right now on January 26th, this team is not ready to like make a finals run. So, but they can get there. I guess this is kind of the final thought that I have, kind of big picture. All ev- everything that we just discussed. Really, and even last night, the atmosphere, the intensity of the game. I think the biggest problem that I'm having right now, it is so difficult to make sense of the regular season. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's fair to say at this point, I don't remember, you had the number off the air, you gave it to me. Number, it's basically, what, three times? If you go by the list. The top 25 players are playing three times less than they ever have. Yeah, I think it was like the Ringer, Chris Vernon, and the Ringer guys from the mismatch had it. Um, what's the number here? It's like it's basically in in essence. Here it is. Um, the in two, 2017, the top twenty five NBA players as ranked by ESPN. 
missed 216 games. 2017, correct? Yes, 2017. So that means they played around, averaged about 73 games each. Okay. In 2022, the top 25 players missed 629 games. So they played around 57 games apiece. So like what Ja did last year was basically the average for a star player. And so this is kind of where I am, which is, I don't know whether or not to like. I don't. I kind of feel like King Solomon here. Like everything's meaningless. Everything under the like in the end, all that matters is what happens in the playoffs. And so there's kind of this weird element of is everyone just overreacting to something that honestly, in the end, may not matter one way or the other. Because to your point, I think if they were playing a playoff series, like if if they did the playoffs where you bounced around city to city. My guess is they would have looked a little better on this trip. Yeah. Well, we'll see. They're back in action tomorrow at Minnesota. Try to salvage a win out of this thing. Uh, Yikes! <laughs> I think they'll get. I, I think we're going to see. They could, I'm not. I'm not putting anything on paper. Okay. You think it just could be one of those funks? I. I think this could just be one of those. I like again. I expect them to play well, but at the same time. They seem a little snake-bitten all and, of a sudden. And the T-Wolves feel like that they'll get up for the good old Grizz coming to town. Maybe they can put let bygones Anthony be. Anthony Edwards been playing well. Let, let bygones be bygones. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll get into more of that tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk more about it with Jason Smith. But next, we're going to get you ready for tonight's Tigers game down at FedEx Forum. They're taking on SMU. Uh, Six o'clock tip. We're going to talk about it next. You're listening to the Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92. 92- okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 9 of ESPN. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by Xfinity. Unbeatable internet. Made to do anything so you can do anything. Only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on Memphis' Sports Station. 92.9 FM. ESPN. GM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA, welcomes basketball fans with a slam dunk offer. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game. 
If either team hits a three-pointer, you'll automatically receive $200 in free bets. Just use bonus code right 200 WRIGHT200 when you place your first bet. Enjoy this NBA season like never before with a variety of parlay selection features, boosted odds specials, daily promotions, and more. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use bonus code right 200 WRIGHT200 to win $200 if either team hits a three-pointer in the game that you wager on. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years of age or older. You must be in Tennessee. New and existing, or beg your pardon, new customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Requirements, rewards issued as is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. All right, Mark. Does Penny go for 100 tonight? I, so I'm of the camp that like he already won a hundred. Like I know I, you said yesterday, you no, feel like re- the records have. You, we keep records for a reason. I know, but I'm just not going to pretend like I didn't watch them uh, beat South Carolina State. Can we also Carolina be State. something? Name the last coach that won a hundred games. I, I I don't know when this became a milestone. I think it's just like a nice round number, and you know, us media members have gone with it. I guess. But yes, you're right. It, this it, feels very much like something someone put in a Facebook group, and then people decided to talk about it. I think it's more, it. not, not, you know, some people view it as a milestone. I think it's more, I think in terms of like how it's being written, it's more like a progress report type thing. You know, like here, where's he at at win number one hundred? You know what I mean? Like, where's the program at? And you know, it's a nice way to, especially because it's happening around the same time as a year ago when things looked. You know, quite perilous, you know, ultimately when they were around this so time that, of year last year. And now, a year later, the program feels like it's on really solid footing. And, you know, it's not over, you know, it's not the overwhelming, it's not been an overwhelming success, but it's certainly much better off today than when Penny inherited it. And it seems to be trending in a positive direction consistently, by and large. Yeah. I mean, they are on track right now to make. The tournament for a second in consecutive years for the first time since what? Josh 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh is years four and five, right? And obviously, like, he needs to, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen this year or not, but like eventually he'll need to, you know, get to the second weekend of the tournament and things like that to keep progressing. But you can't, much like the Grizzlies, I mean, ultimately, the thing, while it probably isn't the trajectory that he expected, that probably we all expected when this thing first got going and it was crazy there for a little while. And it seemed like, you know, Penny's bringing in the number one recruiting class and, you know, just felt like the possibilities were endless. It's not, it's not been, it's not lived up to that, but it, like you look at it, I mean, it's been a consistent positive trajectory of the program. Every year they've taken another step forward. Ultimately to be clear, part of it was also his doing on the Mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations. I mean, he, when he had the, you know, the, I see a national championship and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like he, he needed to learn the most important lesson of coach speak. Mm-hmm. Set the bar really low, and mm-hmm. then why you always exceed it, and people think you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. But just compared to like who was hired around when he was hired, mm-hmm. I mean, there's schools that are on coach number two. Yeah, no, and it's 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 worked out. Um you know, again, not you know, not the exactly the way probably everyone drew it up, but it's worked out well enough. I do think it is interesting now. I think expectations have been recalibrated to a more realistic 
calibration. Well, I think it's more like I, – I think what his ex – like to me, the way I look at it is, you know, I hope he can get to a Final Four at some point. You know, they've done it twice, three times before in program history. But, like, don't you think it's more like, you know, can he do what Larry Finch did? I think I think the standard has – I think people have gotten more realistic with it, again, to where, hey, you should probably be in the tournament two out of every three years, which I think is a reasonable expectation. Mm-hmm. And one of those times you probably, you know, maybe you're three out of every four or something like that. Yeah. And one of those times you should probably, you should make the second weekend. Yeah. And have a shot. So give yourself a shot. Let us dream about the final four again. Sure. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe looks, one of these years, maybe, 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 well, maybe things ne- break your way. And well, maybe it's next year when you've got the, you know, the higher end class, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, hey, right draw, maybe it's this year. I'm, I'm I doubt that. But. I mean, the re- with a guy like Kendrick Davis, you never know. Well, he could put if a guy who can a guy you know we've seen plenty of times uh, one guy get really hot in the NCAA tournament, especially a guard, and take a team further than you ever expected. And Kendrick Davis certainly has the capability to be that type of player once they get in the tournament. If they get the you know I don't think they can do it as an eight or nine seed, but like if they could somehow get a you know if they can get a six or seven seed or something like that, maybe maybe it could happen. What is the ceiling seed-wise? Because this is kind of where I struggle with this team. Right now, they're comfortably in the tournament. Like, they're basically right now, if the tournament started today, they're basically where they were at the end of last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I we, we... But it's it, to me, it's tough to see them move moving up a ton of seed lines. Well, the, the question is, so one, like, they have 11 games left, I believe. That's, that's <laughs> Including right. tonight. Um... Yeah, they're fifteen and five. They have eleven games plus the AAC tournament, so a potential for fourteen more games, maybe fifteen if they finish outside the top four in the AAC. But let's presume they finish in the top four. Well, of I the think AAC. if you finish outside the top four, I think you're going to have problems. <clears throat> yes, um, let's presume they finish in the top four. So that means they have fourteen possible more games. We talked about it on our podcast over at CommercialPill.com, Jason Munz and I. Like, let's say they go to me. The most realistic thing that's good, but also like realistic, is like they go nine and two, and either it's nine and two with two losses to Houston, or nine and two with like a split against Houston, and then another loss. You lost to like let's say you lost to USF on the road, who's one thirty eight in Ken Palm. So like a not a great loss, but also it'd be like a quad three loss, maybe a quad two loss. I think, um, but. I think that means you're probably I think if you're nine and two, you're probably in that seven or eight range. To me, you gotta go like certainly to move up a seed into this type of seeding you're talking about, like if you're talking ceiling, it's gotta involve at least one win over Houston, right? And then maybe win yeah. like if you want to get up to like a five or six seed, to me it involves at the very least one win over Houston and then going and winning the AAC tournament. It might be two wins over Houston to get to a five. Well, but that winning the AAC tournament would be two wins over Houston. Okay, you know, like when, you know what I mean. I I think you're putting a little too much stock in the tournament. I I think the tournament doesn't. I get think weighed. ultimately where they are now is where they're going to be when I the think tur- in, when, the, when Selection Sunday comes. We've seen, I think they're going to be like I, in the seven, eight, I, nine range. I tend to agree. What we've seen with conference tournaments recently. It's not moving you dramatically from a seed Especially line. Especially theirs because it's the last one, too. Well, what it's been doing recently as 
it's giving you an opportunity to get in if you screwed up during the season, but it's not really changing the results. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of where they are. Well, tonight they take on SMU, um, who is probably the they are the second worst team in the AAC this year because they they've swept Tulsa. Um, <laughs> it's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> Although Tulsa got a win over Tulane last weekend, so they you know so who knows they're battling it out for the cellar of the AAC. SMU, by the way, they are seven and thirteen under new coach Rob Lanier. And Ken Palm has them winning only two more games the rest of the season. So I mean, this is kind of the this is where they are. This is truly like one of those games. Like this would be this is a quad four game on your schedule. And not only I think do you want to win this game, obviously, but like this is one of those games where like you know if you're if you truly care about the metrics, you got you, you're supposed to win it by like fifteen plus. I think this the line's is, 14 and a half, 15. And this like, is just in, you are just in the thick of. But what, just win it. We are, ultimately. We've, we've talked about it. This is the thick of the. You cannot gain anything from these games, but you can lose something. Now, this, and this SMU team, Jeffrey, I know you can find this hard to believe. They are among the teams worse than Memphis at three point shooting this season. How? <laughs> you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 